0: This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers.
1: Hello, welcome to episode number 28. This is Bird Shooter here. Tonight we're going to speak with thru-hikers Sprinkles and
0: Noki. They are uh, thru-hiking four trails this summer,
1: totaling 1,200 miles. Uh, We'll spend the majority of the time talking about the Benton Mackay Trail, but uh, we'll also touch on some of their other adventures this summer, which include the Fingers Lake Trail, the Long Trail, and the Northville Placid Trail. I want to
0: give a quick shout-out to
1: BackCountryNinjas.com,
0: also TrailHard.net, two uh, past sponsors of the show. We actually mentioned both of them tonight. And
1: here's Sprinkles and Noki. Hey, this is Bird Shooter, and tonight on the show, I'd like to welcome Sprinkles and Noki, their experienced thru-hikers. Completed the AT in 2012 and are now in the midst of four separate thru-hiking adventures this summer which includes a thru-hike of the Benton Mackay Trail here in Dixieland. And I'll, uh, I'll refrain from taking sides on the Confederate flag issue. But uh, Sprinkles, Noki, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Bye.
1: Absolutely. So, hey, t- tell us about yourselves a little bit. I know you guys hiked the AT in 2012. Um, did you know each other before you started, or did you meet on the trail? Um,
2: we actually met on the trail. Um, we both started our thru-hikes alone. And um, at the 400-mile mark at the Mountaineer Falls shelter, we, um, we stayed together one night, and then we ran into each other again a couple days up the road in Damascus, and we started hiking in a big group, and then there were just six, and then there were five, and then there were four, and then there were three, and then it was just the two of us, so...
1: Well, and you've been together ever since. It sounds like.
2: Yeah. Um. Once. Once we finished the AT, it's. It's funny. We didn't think we'd ever see each other again. We never really talked about it. Yeah, we parted ways for a quick
3: minute after uh, we came back from Katahdin. It was I don't know what six months or so. Yeah,
2: and then um, we ended up taking a job together in Maine, working at um at a hostel up in Maine at the AT Lodge in Millinocket, and we've been together since then.
1: Hey, so if I can ask, and, and this is just something that came to me, was that by chance the place that um. And I don't know the guy's name, but the guy that did, was hiding out in Maine and hiking on the trail, was that the hostel he, he had stayed at in the winter?
2: Um, you know what? I really don't know because uh, we weren't there in the winter. We we only came in um, in May just before thru-hiker season started. And, you know, we didn't personally, either of us, meet Bismarck, so we don't really know much about him. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. You know, okay. The,
3: the hostel that we worked at, I, for the most part, I don't think he's open very much in the winter. It might be, a, like, special circumstances that he would uh, take people in in the winter.
2: Yeah, snowmobilers sometimes, but not really a whole lot of people. Yeah, because they used
3: to do a lot of vacationing in the winter.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'd read somewhere that he was wintering in Maine, and I was just kind of curious. I, I knew it was a hostel, but I didn't know where it was. That's you know, now that I think about it, in the article, I think it was in Andover. That, somewhere in Andover.
3: A far, okay, a little farther south. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. But now, so was the Appalachian Trail the first time that you guys had done long-distance hiking?
2: Um, yeah, I think for both of us it really had been. Yeah. Um I, I did a lot of hiking in the Smokies, and I had started doing a lot of overnight trips, um, but I had never been out for more than two days. So this was really my first big welcome to welcome to long distance hiking. It was a big, it was a really big, exciting deal for me.
3: Yeah, I had done more biking, and I just got tired of carrying my bike on my back. So I said, I said I'll just leave the bike at home, put a backpack on, it, it'd be a little easier. I'd get around a little easier.
1: It's sort of the same concept, though, I guess, if you're going cross-country biking. Yeah. Did you ever do any cross-country biking? No uh, I did
3: the Matahe out in North Dakota. No, nothing crazy big. Like, I didn't go you know, cross-country or anything. But, I, you know, I did... did state. That's state. That's, that's a good part of the state of North Dakota. Uh, you know, I did... In Maryland, almost border to border, which between Pennsylvania and uh, Virginia, that's not very long. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I, I mean, it, to some degree, it's the same concept, right? Yeah. You have to be smart about what, what you pack. You're packing similar size tents, similar size stoves. So, I mean, yeah,
3: it, it, it's, it, it's a lot of similar stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I, I gotta believe that. Did you did you use any of the same gear for uh, through hiking?
3: Honest to God, I, when I got to when, when we did the, the AT, I changed pretty much almost everything. I think except for. What, no, I think I changed every single thing in my pack when I got the Franklin when I started when I started the AT just because it's easier when you're on your bike you can kind of pack things in all different places you could carry a lot more and uh, I just didn't like the gear I had um, and I knew I could I knew I had bigger miles in me if I could lighten the load so that's pretty much what I did when I got there
1: right so and sprinkles it sounds like you had a little bit of a shakedown before you hit the trail you, you and I were talking earlier you know someone I know. Actually, J.D. from episode 21, the great Smoky Mountain National Park episode, um, it sounds like you did some hiking in the Smokies before you hit the AT, right?
2: Yeah, um, I actually, um, I had always said, oh, well, maybe I'll hike the AT one day. Maybe I'll do it before I turn 30, you know, and um, in 2011, Jennifer Farr Davis did a speaking tour. Um just before she did her, her now now broken record, but when she had set the record in two thousand eleven she did a speaking tour and I said, That's it, I have to do it. So I actually trained um for about nine months. I did many, many shakedown hikes um in the smokies and some of them with J D. So I I didn't change a single piece of my gear the entire trail. So
1: yeah, so you you are the exception to the to the rule of yeah. most through hikers that probably show up there in yeah, Springer. Actually-
2: um, I, the only thing I was carrying too much of was clothes. I did send some clothes home, but the night before I left for Springer Mountain, I actually cried because I said, oh, my God, my pack weighs 27 pounds. These people are going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I show up with only 27 pounds, and that was much lighter than everyone at the beginning. I felt like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm doing. So. Yeah, I carried
3: three times that when I first started, <laughs> so I, that's, why, that's why I had the big change. You know,
1: I wish I could flash you guys back to 1994 when I thru-hiked because, you know, really the Internet was in its infancy. There wasn't any information other than Wingfoot's thru-hiking handbook right. at the time. And, I mean, you you wouldn't believe what people showed up with at Springer Mountain back then. <laughs> so I can
2: imagine some people still show up with that kind of stuff. We've seen some characters. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and by the way, I looked at your BMT photos and also your sort of just gear list or at least your gear weights. I was impressed. You guys had slimmed the packs down pretty impressively, yeah. like both both in the 20s, right? Yeah. yeah.
3: We're both under 25 pounds. So um,
2: I cute. actually was at, well, well I was yeah, when we started the Finger Lakes Trail, I was at 18 pounds fully loaded with food and water. I couldn't believe it because I'm not one of those people that, that even weighs things. I just say, oh, well, I guess I don't want to carry this, you know. So it's just it's not even because I, I, weigh, I weigh grams or ounces or anything. It's just because I just don't want to carry it because I'm
3: lazy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm at 24 pounds, and I actually did cut my toothbrush in half.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I was impressed with your pack weights. I mean, did you guys actually get your pack weights down to that level in the AT through hike
2: um, I didn't because I actually recently switched backpacks. I switched from a granite gear to a gossamer gear, um, and that's really where my pack weight savings came in. I would say that... Um, we had gotten pretty low on the AT, but we still are getting rid of gear. I mean, every time, yeah. every time we get to a post office, we say, "Oh my God, what can we get out of these packs?" We do it every time. So.
3: Yeah. Honestly, got it. You even when it's, sometimes when it comes to food, you just figure that you know I don't even like eating this anymore, so you end up taking some of, some of those meals out and replacing them for, for other things.
2: Yeah.
1: You you definitely become very efficient. <laughs> I can relate to that. Hey, so before I ask you the, the big questions about the, the Benton Mackay Trail, because one of the things that really interested me and you guys is I'm from the south. I've wanted to through hike the, the BMT. You guys just did it. I read your, I think maybe through Appalachian Trials. Yeah. your are your, um, right up on it. but. Where Do you guys have a favorite place to hike in general? I know that since 2012, you've obviously explored a lot of cool places.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I know the Smokies have always been a big deal for me. This is where I learned how to hike. I've hiked every trail in this park. Um, the Smokies are a big deal to me, but since we've gone to Maine and lived there for six months, we keep finding ourselves yeah. back in Maine, and we Absolutely. just love it there.
3: Absolutely. Maine is the most spectacular place that I've ever been. I, I, I love it there.
2: Yeah, and I actually just wrote um, another blog for Appalachian Trials, who I blog for every once in a while, about um, how much I just love Baxter State Park up there, and just it's so much more than just the one mountain. And there's just so much varied terrain in Maine. You can get lowlands and bogs. You can get above treeline. It's in the east. I think Maine is is the crown jewel for both of us. Yeah,
3: or, you know, Northern Baxter State Park is just absolutely beyond beautiful.
1: So, Noki, I would agree with you, and I, and I, every spring I get an itch for Springer, and every fall I get an itch for a trip to Maine. Yeah. And for a while there, I probably did five trips every fall I'd go up until I started having kids. Let me tell you, that changes things.
2: Yeah, especially down here in the South. Man, it's hard to get there from here.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a flight and a car rental and everything else, yeah. right? If, if you don't take a long drive. Right. But, um, so, if I could, you know, maybe flash back to, um, and maybe you already answered this, was your first backpacking trip in the um in the smokies sprinkles and for you Noki, was it the AT or had you done on other backpacking my trips first,
3: before? I I did actually the first one I did uh, I did out of Harper's Ferry up at, uh, I did Harper's Ferry up to Maryland uh, and, uh, that's not even a real big stretch but that was my first backpacking trip without the bike yeah it was it was on it was actually I was on the AT
2: yeah and for me um my very first backpacking trip was not that long ago it was only in 2008 Um, And I hiked from um, Newfound Gap Road to the Kephart Gap Shelter, or I think it's just the Kephart Shelter. It's only two miles up and two miles back, and um, I thought I was going to die. I didn't own any (laughs) gear. I had a day pack with a bunch of gear that belonged to somebody else I didn't even know how to use. And, man, I thought that was the hardest hike I had ever been on. And
1: and it's a nice, gentle little roll hike up there, right? Beautiful, right on the stream.
2: Right on the stream, and I think you only gained 500 feet in elevation in two miles, but, man, I got my butt kicked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you, you don't have to start backpacking at the age of five, right? Yeah, I mean –
2: I had a borrowed day pack full of someone else's gear that I didn't know how to use, and, and it was over Labor Day, so there were a ton of people there, and it was just—I felt like I had no idea what was going on. I didn't sleep all night. I was freezing, um, and that that very trip got me hooked on it. I just wanted to do more and more. So.
1: And, and now you're doing four through hikes yeah. in a single in a single summer. Do I have that right?
2: Yeah, four. Um, we had. The, the big plan was we wanted to do the PCT, but um, it just seemed really busy this year, and we just, we've had enough of the big crowds, so we said, we took a look at it, and I said, you know, I've always wanted to do the BMT since I found out about it, and um, we had been living in New York for the last year, and I said, man, wouldn't it be great to do the Finger Lakes Trail, because we loved it, and Which we, is a really beautiful trail, it's a beautiful trail, and um, you know, we, we liked the long trail, we wanted to do more of that, and we said, well, let's just do all these trails, I mean, it's 1200 miles that's a full summer so
1: yeah so uh, you guys have finished the bmt you've already hiked half the long trail i think you guys are are you guys going to do the long trail from scratch again yeah we're going to start
2: all over again just just to hit because we wanted to get trail legs again because um the finger lakes trail doesn't really have that kind of elevation and that kind of difficulty so we we wanted to start at the very beginning again and just just do that section again and We get to meet AT thru-hikers again. We get to be social, which is what all these other trails are lacking. Um, Absolutely. On the BMT, we saw people every day, but not necessarily overnight hikers. We never camped with anybody until we got to the Smokies. Um, And then on the Finger Lakes Trail, we only have actually seen one other hiker, and he was a thru-hiker going the other way. So, (laughs) you know, we're not really seeing any people. So we really think it will be great to get back on the long trail at the very beginning and hike with those AT hikers for 100 miles.
1: Yeah, and so to help the listeners out, uh, the Benton Mackay Trail is Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Yes. Do I have that right? Correct. Uh, Fingers Lake is New
2: York? Just New York, yeah. It goes from the Catskill Mountains to the Allegheny Mountains and is 584 miles.
1: The Long Trail, Vermont, and then the Northville Placid Trail is, you completely got me there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is, um, well, when you when you talk about the Adirondacks, um, a lot of people know the high peaks. Oh, you hit the 46 high points, you're a 46er, you know. Um, the Northville Placid Trail is actually the lowlands in the Adirondacks. Um, so it's a lot of beaver ponds, it's a lot of lakes, um, and it runs from Northville, New York, all the way up to Lake Placid, so that's how it gets its name. It's 134 miles
1: and so I read some of your blog, I believe. You, mm-hmm. You've either completely knocked out the fingers of the lake or you've knocked out a good chunk of We're it. Where a- do you stand with that?
2: So um, we've done half so far, and then I ended up getting a respiratory infection, and I could not shake it for two weeks. So we took a break, and then it hadn't stopped raining was the big deal. Um, we, we did the first half in 13 days, and for those 13 days it rained for 13 days. That's so- right. The trail was actually completely underwater in places, and we were doing a lot of highway walking, and we just got bored with it. So we're actually going to go back and finish that after we do the long trail.
1: Gotcha. And then the Northville Placid Trail, I mean, when do you guys squeeze time in for that?
2: Well, um, since it's only 134 miles, that one's not going to take us very long. It's going to take us a week at the most. Yeah, that'll be easy. Um, And because it's in New York, New York is underwater right now (laughs) because it won't (laughs) stop raining, so we're going to have to wait. Until after the Long Trail, so they're both. Um, we'll finish the Finger Lakes Trail and the Northville Placid Trail in the early fall when the weather starts to clear up and gets nice.
1: Gotcha. And so, I mean, I'll give you guys a chance to plug the uh, w- where the listeners can see the photos and read about your blog later. But mm-hmm. w- you want to give a quick plug for your uh, your blog?
2: Yeah, actually, um, we're at sprinkleshikes.com dot com right now. Also, find awesome. us uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sprinkled Hikes.
1: No key, I think I actually stumbled onto your Instagram account, and I am saying your trail name correctly, right? Yes, you are. Okay, good. Um, But yeah, you had some good photos on there. I noticed that you have a dog, and that was one of the questions (laughs) that I have for you because I I hike with my dog all the time. I've got a guidebook about hiking with your dog. Um, Do you guys ever take your dog on long-distance hikes?
3: not on a long distance hike no um she's getting a little older but we do t- we took her out on the finger lakes trail with us a bunch of times this last summer and we even brought her up to the adirondacks the one time but it's it's it's, it's rough on her you know her, her feet get really swelled up and the last time we took her on anything really really long we took her on the uh, the cranberry 50 which is a 50 mile trail up in the adirondacks and she ended up developing some real bad problems with her ankles so we just feel bad for her. I mean, she she loves being out there and she works so hard she'll She'll bust her butt all day, and she'll try to stay out right in front of us the whole time. But it, you know, she really pays for it afterwards, and we just feel bad. So we we try to we, we try to right now. She's like staying with with Sprinkles' folks while we're out hiking uh, here in Knoxville. So. We haven't had her really out, but she does like to go for long walks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've never seen a dog happier than when they're in the yeah, wilderness. Does, you know, just out of, out of curiosity, Noki, mean, do, do you have any advice to somebody that's taking a dog day hiking or um, even on long distance hikes? Because you know, if you're just doing a mile, it's no big deal, right? But if you're doing a five, eight mile hike, I mean, there's definitely some things that you need to know, right? Yeah,
3: I mean, you honestly, you got to be aware of when they're when they're thirsty. Sometimes they get so excited they don't drink, or you know, like. No, like our dog, she won't use. She won't go to the bathroom while she's hiking. So we have to like stop and make sure that she, that she does does all the, the, the normal functions, or she's so obviously going to get sick. And it, it's not easy carrying a seventy or eighty pound dog out of the forest when, you know, with, with a backpack. So yeah, you just got to be aware. You got to really pay attention to to how they're to how they're doing and to make sure they get enough water, especially. Because a lot of times they won't even stop to drink because they're so excited. Every every little thing is just awesome to them. You know, a chipmunk running and that that's that's the most amazing thing ever. They'll, they'll go <laughs> chase it for for five miles. The next thing you know, you have a, you have a dog laying there dying and it's too tired to drink. Yeah, I mean when when I get
1: my my dog has a pack that he carries. He's actually got his own sleeping bag and his own pad. But when when I get it out, he goes crazy. I mean, he goes nuts, right? He can't wait to go.
2: Exactly. Gracie's the same way with her backpack. When we put it on her, she struts. She thinks she's the hottest thing. <laughs> yeah, she, she loves her dog backpack, but Yeah. And That's awesome. And the advice that I can give to people that want to do a long distance hike with their dog is you have a choice to do this. Your dog really doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Your dog, your dog is going to do anything you want that dog to do because dogs love you. And if your dog doesn't look like it's having fun, maybe your dog needs to go stay with grandma for a couple <laughs> yeah, days, you know, because exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cause they just don't have the choice. And, you know, they'll love it for a little while, but not all dogs are, are made to do a long-distance hike, just like all people are. not So it's my advice to anybody doing hikes with a dog is you've really got to train them to be able to hike those kinds of miles. Um cuz once you're once you really get into a through hike you're doing 20 miles a day and that's hard on a dog.
1: Yeah, it's hard on a person.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But I mean at least with people we know what hurts and we can take ibuprofen and I mean for dogs that's hard. They're not going to let you know that they hurt and they can't
3: always tell you where the pain is. Yeah, yeah. Get to like really mm-hmm. go go through go through them and find out what's wrong.
2: Yeah, so so for us it's it's definitely a personal thing cuz we definitely don't want her to hurt, and we don't want her to be miserable. Um, yeah. But, man, we really miss her right now.
3: <laughs> That's kind of why we came back. We're taking a little vacation for a couple of days from hiking. We came down to visit her and uh, down here in Knoxville for, for a few days.
1: You kind of get attached to them, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs>
2: it's almost like you like them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I won't. Focus too much on this because this is really about the BMT. But um, I did hike with a guy that had a dog, and it was funny because when the dog got tired, it just sat down and refused to move. <laughs> but but it also got skunked twice and hit by a porcupine once. So oh, yeah, yeah, that that's the other thing you gotta keep in mind is dogs chase wild animals, and there are repercussions, right? Yes. If you don't have them on a leash, yeah, but, you know, that's a long way to keep a dog on a leash for twenty two hundred miles. Yeah, exactly. So a um, couple big questions. Normally I save these for the end of the podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and hit you with these now just uh, just for the fun of it to mix it up a little bit. Do you, I mean, you guys have done a lot of backpacking. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, do, do you have a single piece of gear that you just can't go without?
3: My, I, I know it's funny. I just got one, and I don't know what I did without it, but I just got a Sea to Summit uh, blow-up pillow. It was the ultimate game-changer. I can now sleep. Matter of fact, I sleep so hard that it, it, it could take a bomb to wake me up since I've got that, and it weighs nothing, and I love it, and that's all I talk about. It really <laughs> is. It's my, my pillow.
2: This new pillow is, is his favorite thing in the entire world.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, oh, my God. I, I, I sleep so good now. I, 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 for for years, I just slept on my clothes bag and wondered, wondered why I had my, my back hurt, my neck hurt. <laughs> nope, not anymore.
1: You know, I sleep on my clothes bag, and you're making me think twice now. Yeah, I
3: I would never carry one. I just thought it was an extravagant piece of gear. Well, no longer do I feel that way.
1: And and you hike with less than 30 pounds, too, right? So that's a statement.
3: Yeah, I think this pillow weighs, what, what, two and a half grams? Yeah, it's
2: really light. It's crazy light. It's like less than an ounce. (laughs)
1: All right, Sprinkles, I know you have a favorite piece of gear. Let's hear it.
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, it's really hard to pick, honestly, because, I mean, I've whittled down my gear to practically nothing at this point. <laughs> um, but I will tell you the Gossamer Gear the gossamer gear backpack I have, um, they don't actually make it anymore. It's, it's the Mariposa from 2012. Um, that backpack has just been the best piece of gear I've ever owned. I love that backpack so much, and I probably tell Noki once a week, I love this pack. How did I ever hike without this pack, you know? So it's it's definitely the my Mariposa pack. I love it.
1: So, in the spirit of disclosure, I know you're a, a backcountry ninjas ambassador. Yeah. Are you a are you a Gossamer Gear ambassador? No, well?
2: I wish I was though. So, if anyone from there is listening,
1: <laughs> plug plug.
2: I will yeah. I will put up so many photos for you. <laughs> uh,
1: we might need to ford' them this podcast.
2: I'll send it. Yeah, and you know I tell you what. There I, you go. I hike behind her, and I usually carry the camera.
3: So, uh... so you're just saying. <laughs> Yeah, so
1: maybe back, back both back of you up. need sponsors. <laughs> there you go. Well hey, you know, I think maybe we need to to hit thirty pack up for a sponsorship on this uh this podcast given and we're gonna give them some backcountry ninja love too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We we have um we have some koozies right now, yeah. too, and we've gotten some great shots with the koozie because you never know when you need some liquid bread while you're hiking. Yeah,
3: that's absolutely.
2: That Backcountry Ninja's koozie keeps my beer really cold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. Hey, I saw, I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was on Instagram, I saw he had a picture with Buddy Backpacker.
2: Yeah, oh, we, um, Noki actually met him when we were working in Millinocket. They came through, yeah. I was unfortunately um, out of town for, for an event then, but he got to meet Buddy Backpacker at the hostel, yeah. so... Yeah
1: i got to score an interview with that guy.
2: Yeah, that kid is the coolest. <laughs> yeah, real. A, yeah. cool I want to be that kid when I grow up. <laughs>
1: yeah, for the listeners, soon to be probably the youngest triple crowner of all time, right?
2: Yeah, I think he's seven years old now or just about to turn seven. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's young. About right, yeah.
1: That's quite a resume yeah. at seven years old. I'm jealous. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, guys, let's shift to the BMT, the Benton Mackay Trail sometimes improperly say, stated as McKay, right? Yes. Yes. But it's actually Mackay, if I have my pronunciation correct.
2: Yeah, that is correct. And you'll actually see signs. Um, we always thought it was great when we saw signs. They always point out that that's how you pronounce it on the mm-hmm. sign. We thought that was kind of funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, this is a, so listeners may or may not know, right? It starts near Springer Mountain. Your first trip back to Springer since your through hike? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, For both of us, it was our, our first trip back. And Um, My dad actually took the day off work to come down and help us uh, get down to the Terminus, and my dad actually hiked up to Springer with us and got to be there for that moment, and I just thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, what was it like for you guys to be back on Springer? I mean, the the first time I went back, it was
2: kind of cool. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, wow, it looks exactly the same, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Because we were down there about the same time of year. We were down there um, in early May, and I mean, it looks pretty much the same, you know, in spring down there. And just the ride down there was was the exact same because i actually lived in tennessee at the time so we took you know the roads down there the same roads down there and it was just it was just a really cool thing for me i was really excited
1: but you're not hiking the at this time so that had to be kind of weird when you broke off the at and went the other direction right
2: yeah because um neither you didn't hike the approach trail right i didn't
3: do the approach yeah, trail yeah neither no.
2: of us had done the approach trail so us going up to springer from that parking lot there was you know it was the same hike and it was just if I knew then what I know now, but you know there, there is an
3: oddly magnetic pull towards the AT when you turn away from it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you feel like you should. Be, you feel like you should be going that way.
2: Yeah, you're used to following the white rectangles, and now you're yeah. following the white diamonds, and yes. that was kind of strange,
3: but yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, but it's kind of cool, I guess, in some ways, because you're getting to explore similar territory on a totally different path. Yeah,
2: and I actually, I, I've i been calling the BMT the uh, the mean little sister to the AT because that trail, it is, I feel like the BMT in Georgia is a lot harder than the AT and not just because of the lack of services. Because um, down in Georgia on the AT, you've got so many hostels and so many trail angels and the BMT was the complete opposite of that. Yeah. It was very remote and very quiet and um, it was just... I don't know. I feel like if 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 somebody really wanted a challenge and they know how to hike, start with the BMT and follow the BMT up to the Smokies and, and see how that treats you. Because man, that was tough.
1: <laughs> I got to be honest. I read the blog of your journey, <laughs> both of your journeys, and I've been looking forward to doing a BMT through hike. Yeah. And I cannot say that um, I'm feeling the rush to get out there do the BMT <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, not, not because it doesn't sound like there's a lot of, uh, I mean, what, well, and I, this is one of the questions I had for you, but I mean, it sounds like your trail magic on the BMT was phenomenal, like like old school, Appalachian Trail, 1970s, hardcore trail magic from locals, not like yes. thru, through hikers that had hiked and just want to give back, yes. right?
2: Absolutely. And that was, um, when we were on the BMT, um, there's no cell phone service at all on that trail, which was really kind of scary for me because I'm used to, at least being able to text my parents every couple days and say, hey, this is where we are, we're still moving. Um, and on the BMT, we only had cell phone service twice. Yeah. So when we got to um, about the halfway point on that trail, we had to walk to a motel that had no cell phone service, no TVs, really hardly any electricity, and get a stack of quarters and use the payphone and just It was like stepping back in time because this must have been what the trails were like back then before I even knew what hiking was, you know, and it was a very back-to-the-basics-of-backpacking kind of trail. So um, for me, that was really cool. I really kind of looked – I actually kind of liked it towards the end, you know. It was just quiet and and simple, and it's what trails should be, I think.
1: So, Sprinkles, you had a quote that I I loved in your blog, and it said – and I'll quote you – this is how it must have been doing a long-distance hike 30 years ago. Yeah. Walking walking nearly deserted roads to get to town, get a stack of quarters, and use the payphone to call places. I love that.
2: <laughs> and it really was. And actually, at one point, um, I was trying to call ahead to the next place where we knew we were going to be because we found out that it was Memorial Day weekend. I got our weekends mixed up, and I thought, oh, crap, we've got to get a hotel reservation. So I actually ran out of quarters on the phone call because payphones are not cheap anymore. <laughs> oh. And I had to say, oh, crap, I'll call you back. i got to go get more quarters. You know?
1: Yeah, they're not taking dimes anymore, that's for sure. No,
2: no, it's $3 for the first five minutes, and oh, my gosh, it was so expensive making those calls.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, you've got two major movies, Wild, that just came out. You've got Walk in the Woods. It's coming out over Labor Day weekend this year. I mean, is the BMT your AT relief project if you want to do some hiking come 2016
2: I would definitely think that it is um oh yeah and I will tell you what if you don't know anything about hiking and you're going to get on this trail you're going to get your butt handed to you and you're going to go home <laughs> this trail was not easy
3: yeah it i, I was saying if 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 people started to the, do the BMT at the beginning instead of the, the original AT the AT would have half the people on it if they used the BMT to to begin would have easily half the people on it that are on it now. Because people would absolutely get off the AT before they got off the BMT.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you guys mentioned how difficult it was to get self coverage, which, you know, throw me back into the early 90s. There was no self okay. coverage. But, um, but, I mean, how did you, because you guys were obviously updating your blog, how did you get the word out, Facebook, Twitter, WordPress, on where you guys were, were and, you know, how things were going? Because, you were obviously keeping people updated, right?
2: Yeah. Um, well, um, the great thing with, with blogs is um, we schedule things behind us. We don't ever like people to know where we are that we don't know. Um, friends and family will get updates on Facebook, but um, blog followers are typically a week behind us. So when we did get cell phone coverage, I, I just write everything in notepad, um, and I kind of I kind of notation to myself which photos I want to use for the blog. And then when we get cell phone coverage, I dump a whole bunch of posts in at the same time and just schedule them day after day after day. Um, so it looks like a more cohesive thing. So it looks really good. Um, and the BMT, I really did struggle with getting those posts up because I really feel like once you kind of dedicate yourself to that, it's kind of a slippery slope. And you say, well, I did it before. i got to do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So. So, I mean – you guys talk about how hard it is and how difficult it is to get um, communication out, but oh, yeah. at the same time, your trail magic stories to me were what made the BMT. Do you, do you want to tell tell us maybe one of your favorite trail magic stories from from the hike?
2: Um, well, you know, we didn't get a lot of it, um, but when we got it, it was just like every trail magic—you get what you need when you need it. Um, we met a really really wonderful couple um, who was who was in the area at a at a campground and offered to slack pack us. Um, who actually knew a hiker we met in 2012, um, and it's just it just goes to prove what a small community it is. But he slack-packed us on a day that ended up being really difficult, um, and and that was really helpful. But I think my absolute favorite trail magic on the BMT was when we stayed at that little Green Cove motel in the middle of nowhere in Talico Plains, and the woman working there gave us her leftovers for that were there for lunch, and she let us eat like a big Salisbury steak and a big mashed potatoes and peas and macaroni and cheese and she just wanted to sit with us and talk to us and just said well you know you could buy things in my store but let me help you out and eat this food and it's good and man that food was so good it was, it, it was really good
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think you guys took a picture of it we and did uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to see how good it was you've got a photo to prove it right? i do
2: and and she could not have been nice enough. The Green Cove Motel in the middle of nowhere yeah. in Telico Plains, Tennessee, way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, is... I, I dare you to try to find it. <laughs> I da- yeah, I dare you to try to find the Green Cove Motel. But when you do, you, you tell the owner that Noki and Sprinkle sent you because we love that place. <laughs> yeah, she was such a sweetheart.
1: Was that, that was where you took your zero?
2: The, old your zero, zero day? the unexpected zero, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, and for the listeners, it's a day where you don't hike. You just take a day off,
2: right? Yeah, and um, the day before that, we had gotten the crap beat out of us. Yes, um, we did. We, we have actually found out since then that the trail maintainers call that stretch the heart of darkness because it's just so hard to maintain. <laughs> Oh, and, wow. And um, I actually called the trail maintainers and said, hey, if if there's some more trail that looks like this, we don't want to be out here, so can you give us an update? And uh, they said, oh, my God, we know how bad it is. I'm so sorry. We've been trying to get out there, but um, they were having problems working with the ranger district, and they didn't want them coming in with chainsaws. And um, the section has since been maintained um, as of two weeks ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're
3: actually going on another work trip, I believe, this weekend.
2: Yeah, so the BMTA knew how bad it was and they were profusely apologizing to us about how bad it looked and they assured us that it will not look like that anywhere else and they were they were perfectly dead on with that. So. Yeah,
3: to give an example, you could see the blazes, you just couldn't get to them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, ouch. That sounds like blowdown city. Yeah. I think you took pictures of it,
2: right? I, it, yeah. Um if you want to see pictures they're on the blog at Sprinkles Hikes, but it um We did a 20-mile day that day just because we had to get out of there. Um, There was no water. There were no campsites. And for 11 straight miles, you could see the blazes, but there was no trail. And um, it actually thunderstormed on us. That was the only day on the BMT we had to walk in the rain. Um, So (laughs) it's thunderstorming. We're bleeding. It was was rough. (laughs) Yeah, it was a tough day.
1: Yeah, I mean, and for the listeners, I mean, you know, well, these trails are built by volunteers, right? So these yep. are people like you and me that work full time. They go out and sweat and, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, they work <laughs> their butt off to keep these trails open.
2: And and the BMT is not like the AT. There are not road crossings. Um, you know, if there are road crossings, sometimes they're just ATV roads. And this place where we were dealing with this um, from Moss Gap to over Rocky Mountain and Sledrunner Gap, pretty much all the way to the Teleco Plains road crossing is is really inaccessible. You really can't get back there, and you won't see anybody, and, you know, so it's, you know, it's just volunteers, and if they can't get back there because it's going to take them all day, you know, they're doing the best they can, so.
1: Yeah, and so I was actually under the impression that the Georgia Appalachian Trail Conference would lend some of their resources to the uh, Benton Mackay Trail, and I'm sure they do around the AT, but is that not true once it starts to Veer off from well, the um,
2: what we what we discovered um the Georgia portion of the BMT was very well maintained. Yes. Um, it was in really good shape. Um, but the real problem came in North Carolina um and in the Cherokee National Forest specifically, um because they don't have the resources this year. Um, all their resources this year were dedicated to the horse trails because they get more traffic, and therefore more people are coming. Um, but the Cherokee National Forest just doesn't have the resources, and that's what we were told from the BMTA. Um, the Teleco Ranger District just didn't have the time to do it. So when the Ranger District can't do it, it completely falls on volunteers, and, it, and when it's hard to get back there and you've got to have tools, it, you know, the, the pool of people that can help maintain that trail is a lot smaller.
1: So there you go, listeners. Here's your chance to give back to the trails in the south. The the Benton Mackay Trail Association needs you. They actually did just they make do. a
3: post. Uh, they're they're still looking at it, uh, for volunteers to uh, run some uh, equipment. Actually, I believe like so I think it's this weekend. I, I was just reading it earlier. The Pretty Facebook sure it's this page. weekend on their on their page. Yeah. Uh ah,
1: Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, um, have, and what is it? It's bmta dot org.
2: Um, yeah, on bmta dot org, and then um, the the Benton Mackay Trail Association has a Facebook page. Yes. And their Facebook page kind of gives the trail maintenance updates, um, but I know on the Facebook page recently, for several weeks, they've been trying to get this work trip together, but the severe weather around here has really been hindering that also because of all the thunderstorms and whatnot.
1: Oh, so you can friend them and get updates.
2: You can, yeah, and um, they're they're really great about letting you know about work trips and, um, you know, group hikes. They do group hikes every once in a while also, um, depending on what area you're in, so the BMTA Facebook page is, is actually a pretty good resource if you want to get to know more information.
1: No, that's perfect. And, and it, that was a question I had for you, actually. I've got a copy of the Hiking the Benton McKay Trail, McKay, excuse me, uh, by Tim Homan. What, what is the go-to guidebook for the BMT these days? Um,
2: Sergeant Rock has written a guidebook, and he updates it every two years. Um, he is, um, he's based out of Maryville. He's, he's a volunteer, and he's also the through-hike coordinator. Um, So it's Sergeant Rock's Guidebook, and I think it's bmtguidebook.com. I'm not 100% sure on that. But we actually bought it um, for for listeners that are local, um, like to the Knoxville, Maryville area. You can get it at Little River Trading Company. That's where I bought it.
1: Gotcha. So I think I have seen him on the um, White Blaze site (laughs) before. So interesting. You could probably find Sergeant Rock on White Blaze. Yes. Excellent. Um, What else did I want to ask you? Hey, so talk, talk to me about views on the Benton Mackay, because um, the AT has in Georgia and certainly North Carolina, mm-hmm. but um, they have some great views, right? I mean, you've got, in, in Georgia, you've got Blood Mountain, you know, you sort of get a view at Trey. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are the big views on the Benton Mackay Trail,
2: well, Georgia, North Carolina? Um, in Georgia and North Carolina, I can pretty much tell you, you just named it, um, <laughs> uh, Wig Meadow is uh, pretty much the only view you're going to get. Um, we, had, we had some partial views, but they're not really maintained the way the AT views are, how the trees are kind of cut so you can see. So you'll have a little bit of one on Springer Mountain. And then from there on, I mean, you get views every once in a while, just quick glimpses. But we didn't get our first real good view until Wig Meadow. I actually put a video up because I was so excited that we actually had one. And that really is beautiful up there.
1: Yeah, it, now it's close to the road, right?
2: Yeah, it's really close to the road. It, it would make a really great day hike. It's like going up to Max Patch. I would I would equate it to that. But um, Wig Meadow is off the Cherahola Skyway, and you can see you can see all the way on a clear day to Watts Bar Lake. Um, we actually were able to see Watts Bar Lake. We could look into Georgia. We could look ahead to Tennessee. It was it was a really beautiful view. It was like being up on Max Patch.
1: But it's not a place that you would camp in the summer just because it's so close to the road?
2: Um, I wouldn't camp there because the only water source was a pond, and we never found the pond. But we didn't find a lot of water on the BMT, so don't <laughs> – you know, we're not, we're not the best to ask. But uh, we just – we didn't end up camping there just because I didn't know where the water source was, and I don't like to camp dry.
1: So let's talk about that because I, if I had to say the one thing that shocked me most about reading your blog, yeah. which you guys were on the trail for 20 days yeah. – um was water, oh, my I mean God. It, it rains okay. all the time here, right? I mean, you guys know that, yeah, it rains all the time, but yet there's no water,
2: yeah, um, so you know, and we're experienced hikers, we know what kind of water we need to carry ourselves personally because everyone's different. We know what we need, and we were not able to find it, which was which was terrifying because we had a guidebook and it said, you know, well, water's here, water's here.' And you would get there and not a trace to be found. Our very first night, we actually had to backtrack on the trail to go find more water that we had passed. So, um you know. Now,
1: did, 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 I mean, is some of that, and I think – I had read this on your blog a little bit. There, you know, Atlanta's close to the North Georgia mountains. Yeah. There's, there's lots of development. People from you know, Charlotte and western North Carolina love to buy cabins in the mountains too. Oh, yeah. Is some of that that the water's getting displaced by these mountain cabins?
2: I honestly think that is the case. Um, at one point on the trail, we were supposed to be in what is quoted in our guidebook as the most remote and inaccessible section of Georgia. And when we got to this remote and inaccessible place, we were walking through cabins and driveways and backyards and flower gardens, flower gardens and <laughs> cell phone towers. <laughs> and and um, that day there were actually five springs that were completely wiped out. And um, we had gone through five liters of water a piece at that point because it was 95 degrees and 98 percent humidity. And we were really in trouble. We actually ended up digging a hole um, we found we found a little bit of running water and we actually dug a hole so we could get the water out of the hole. And that was the only water we found the entire day. Wow. Yeah. I
1: mean, I've actually, I've rented cabins up near LJ before, mm-hmm. just, you know, for a weekend. Yep,
2: that's the, and, where it was too. It was near LJ.
1: Well, one time I'm like, oh my God, it's the Benton Mackay Trail. <laughs> like, you know, right there. Right
2: there. And so, it walks the roads and through people's yards. And it was, um, yeah. And, and the scary part was, when there was running water they said not to drink it at all because people are on septic tanks there. And right. septic tanks and water from the from the ground don't really mix. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
1: Well so let's be fair to the Bent Mackay though. Um I would say a good chunk of the Georgia section is, is mostly national forest. You yeah. know, you're in the smokies on the northern side. You're in, in the Cohutta in in what big frog wilderness yeah, we, in Tennessee. Yeah,
2: um and then in Tennessee, um Tennessee and North Carolina you're also because the borders are so hard to tell apart. You're also in the Nantahala National Forest and the Cherokee National Forest.
1: Okay, gotcha. But, I mean, I guess the point is that the cabin experience is not really as dramatic as we're making it sound, right? No,
2: no, not at all. But um, it, I, it was, well, we were on the Georgia section of the trail. Whatever was not National Forest was now Vacation cabins. Um, So that was a little, it was a little disheartening because that's, that's when you really say, "Hey, the National Scenic Trails Act that the, the AT gets to gets to benefit from. You know, where where they get to own their own corridor. You know, that's that's a really big deal. You don't realize how important that is for a, for a trail system until you see what could have been.
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
2: Because I mean, if you look around, like even in even in the Smokies area, I mean, you see how close the cabins encroach to that national park boundary. So. It's, it's, it's a really good thing that, that we do have these forests down here, but the we were just kind of shocked at the, at the amount of vacation cabins that weren't in that national forest. It,
1: it sounded to me like when you guys got into the Carolinas, um, that, that things got a lot more wilderness oh, experience yeah. for you, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, that's very, very wilderness.
1: I mean, and really, for, I should say North Georgia, Cohutta, too, because once you hit Cohutta, you're pretty much out there. Yeah,
2: yeah. From there, um, that was where we, we weren't able to get in touch with anybody for more than nine days. And the only reason we got in touch with somebody in you know, at the end of that nine days was because the hotel that we ended up staying at had Wi-Fi, and we could actually get a Facebook message out. We couldn't even make phone calls, so...
1: I mean, how much? I mean, there's a lot of wilderness out there, a lot of forest land. How much road walking did you guys do? I mean, obviously, it takes time to get these trails off, Mm -hmm. um, you know, private land and onto uh, protected land. What do you think? Is it 5%, 10% road walking?
2: Um, There was quite a bit on the Benton Mackay, um, but it's kind of hard to differentiate because so much of the BMT is just on old logging roads. So, so some of those roads people could still use ATVs on, or could still access with a truck. So it's really kind of hard to say. Yeah. Um, paved roads, I would say maybe five percent was paved roads, maybe but less maybe less than that. But um, it is hard to it is kind of hard to differentiate because until you get to the Smokies, you're in, which is in the Smokies also are old logging roads for the most part. But we were on a lot of old roads that had been used formerly, so it's kind of hard to tell.
1: Which which are actually nice for hiking, right? They're oh. usually well graded and yeah. real wide and you know. Oh,
2: so nice. We call them the super <laughs> <Yeah. for> highways.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a plus to that, no yeah. doubt. So so hey, let's talk about North Carolina for a minute. because mm-hmm. um, I, I know you guys love the Smokies experience. Yeah. But one of the one of the days that sounded really cool to me was when you guys went near Chioa Dam. Yeah. Which is which is where they filmed the fugitive, right? Yeah. Um it, is that where you stayed in the lodge, too? Oh, yeah. That, sound, that sounds like it could have been the best day on the entire trail.
2: Actually, until that moment, it was the very worst day we have ever hiked. Mm. <laughs> um, it actually, that was the night um, back in May. I don't know if, if people in this area remember. It was actually 39 degrees on the mountain that night, um, and we have summer gear. Um,
1: this is June, right? Yeah, uh, June it was May. Oh, May. Yeah, it was
2: okay. the end of May. It was close to Memorial Day. It was like t- a day before Memorial Day. Um, the temperature hit 39 degrees that night because we were camping at 5,800 feet. Um, so it's 39 degrees and raining. Um, and then it's raining all night, and we had to to cross Slick Rock Creek afterwards, which is the infamous creek crossing on the BMT. Everybody knows about Slick Rock Creek. If you know about the BMT, you know that sometimes you have to camp there for days and try to get across. It's it's the Kennebec of, of the BMT,
1: I've done it, and, I mean, it it can gush, and it can be cold, and it can be deep if you slip on a rock. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you cross it multiple times, right? You
2: do. Um, But here's the thing. Um, We were told that that trail was rerouted. We didn't know anything Uh. about it um, other than the fact that, oh, Slick Rock's been rerouted. You don't have to cross that anymore. Oh, we were so excited, you know. And because you're in a wilderness area, signage is really kind of prohibited, Um, wilderness areas they don't allow you to blaze trees Um, there's just kind of trails are numbered and you have to follow your number you know like you know you just follow your number on the map and the trail had been rerouted but the numbers have not changed and the signs had not been changed so we ended up having to do slick rock creek after a cold torrential rain and the creek was up to my waist and up to Noki's mid-thigh and we were miserable we couldn't find anywhere to camp because of all the blowdown and we didn't know what we were going to do, and then we fell out onto the road right in front of Chihaua Dam and and the beautiful Tapico Lodge.
3: <laughs> yes, I, I'll I'll plug the Tapico Lodge forever. I love that place. <laughs>
1: yeah, it looked cool. I mean, it it looked. You guys had a pretty awesome meal
3: there, if I recall right. Oh,
2: the biggest pizza, and we ate it so fast. <laughs> yeah,
3: brick brick fired pizzas and cold beer on tap, and one of the one of the cleanest, most beautiful hotel rooms that I think I've ever stayed in. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like you guys earned it. If, yeah, you if could, uh... could
2: not believe. And, you know, it was so funny because this place looks really fancy. Um, the lodge was built for Alcoa executives when they were building Fontana Dam and Chehoa Dam and all those places. So it's this historic, beautiful lodge, and it looks like the kind of place you go to a destination wedding. And we stroll in there soaking wet, blood. Dirty hair. We hadn't washed our laundry the entire trail because there's no laundry on the BMT. There's nowhere to wash your laundry, and um, we roll up in there and they're like, "Can we take your bags to your room, ma'am?" You know?
3: <laughs> like, don't touch them.
2: <laughs> yeah, please don't touch the packs. <laughs> you might
3: get, you might get something on you. <laughs>
1: well, it sounds like that came at the perfect time oh, for you.
2: Yes. Yeah, is. and and once again for us on the BMT, it was the magical moment. It was the trail magic when we needed it because we stumbled upon this beautiful lodge and it was everything we needed.
1: So let, let me ask you about the Smokies because we're kind of moving that way, um, or at least North Carolina in general. So the high point on the entire trail is in the Smokies, right? Is that yeah. Mount Sterling? Mount Sterling. Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, and that's not where you finish, though. Um, well, no. uh, so so wait. Let me ask you this, Sprinkles. You're a nine thousand mile or nine thousand nine hundred <laughs> nine hundred miler, which most people may not realize. That's somebody that's hiked every trail in the entire Smokies. Yeah. Um, how stoked? How stoked were you to be back in the Smokies?
2: It made my hike because I knew when we got to the Smokies, our water problems were over. Um, we struggled the entire time up to the Smokies with water because. It was, a, it was a constant battle between what do we carry and what do we do, um, because we didn't want to camp dry because you never knew where your water was going to come from. And I knew that when we got to the Smokies, where there is a campsite, there is a water source and it will be running. So I was stoked not only for the water, but I was home. I hadn't been hiking in the Smokies in a long time because we've been far away for a long time. So I was so excited.
1: And, and Noki, had you been through the tunnel to nowhere before?
2: I hadn't. I uh,
3: seen a few pictures, but yeah, Sprinkle spent lots of time describing to me uh, how all that was, and she was so happy that I was finally there hiking with her through the Smokies because we had we had hiked the Smokies together before. I met her on the AT after the Smokies, so yeah, she was uh she was she's always happy, but she was overly happy, so it was it was lots of fun for me too to 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 be there. And going, that, actually, that Tunnel of Nowhere, that was great, too, because it was very hot that day, and you walk through that, and it, you finally get a nice little break from the heat, and it's cool, and the breeze blows through. It's very nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does drop the temperatures, yeah. doesn't it? It's right near that beautiful Campsite 74 that's on the lake, too. Do, do you guys want to give some history on the Tunnel to Nowhere? Because, you know, most people may not know what it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Tunnel to Nowhere, um, was it's, it's about 10 miles from Bryson City, North Carolina, and it, it ends um, the Tunnel of Nowhere is kind of where the park begins and the Lakeshore Trail begins, the 35-mile trail that is the BMT. Um, it used to be a road, um, and people lived there until World War II, and then when they were, when they were forced to leave for, for the Fontana Lake to be built, um, the, the government basically promised that they're going to build this road so people can get back to their ancestral lands and, and visit their cemeteries. And they just kind of stopped after they built that tunnel. They said, you know what, it's Kind of, we're damaging too much land, and we don't really feel like doing it. we got a good road across the lake. Why don't you all just use that? So now there's just a big, giant quarter-mile tunnel um, that leads into the trails of the Smokies that, that the BMT goes through. So it's, it's, it's definitely historic, and it's a bittersweet path to walk.
1: And then, yeah, I think you guys said that uh, there was a fair amount of horse poop uh, in the tunnel.
2: There was a fair amount of horse poop on the entire BMT in the Smokies because until you get to the last six miles, every bit of BMT in the Smokies is a horse trail. And with it it being Memorial Day with my awesome planning skills – there was much poop to be had. Actually,
3: the, pic- yeah. the pictures on the website that were taken, taken of us in front of the Roads to Nowhere Tunnel uh, were taken by two gentlemen on horseback. <laughs> oh,
1: no, really? Yeah. Perfect. There you it's go. How
3: many
2: horses that weekend?
1: <laughs> well, hey, at least you know the trail's well graded if uh, there's horses on exactly. it, right? Exactly,
2: yeah. And I told him, I said, you know what? All these trails used to be the roads or railroad beds, so we're going to be fine. We're going to cruise.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, you get back into the Smokies, and you mentioned horsemen. You're back into actually having a social life, right? So now you're running into people all the time?
2: Yeah. Um, we camped alone the entire trip until we got to the Smokies, um, and we were there on Memorial Day weekend, so you better believe there were people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of yeah funny because we had only been talking to each other for 16 days at that point or whatever it was, and every time we met people, we were just like, Hey, how are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, you want to hang out? You want to talk? You know? <laughs> so we were we were kind of like those obnoxious people you don't want to talk to.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's got to be a major contrast from the AT where you're around people all the time, right?
2: Yeah, it, it was. Um, you, it's a good thing we like each other, and we were used to sleeping in the tent together. Because boy, if you didn't like somebody on the BMT, you were going to be awful lonely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. So did you guys, I mean, you know, obviously the Smokies are known for bears, and I, I read your blog that you did see bears. I don't think they were actually in the Smokies. Um, any good critter stories from the hike?
2: Um, well, actually, the only time we saw any wildlife was in that neighborhood in Georgia we were telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: It's because they're raiding the garbage yeah. cans.
2: Yeah, I saw two coyotes and a bear within about half a mile of each other. So those were the only animals but I no, think. No, we saw a couple uh, boar. Oh, we saw a couple boar, yeah, um, but that was in Georgia too. We didn't see any wildlife outside of Georgia, actually.
1: You know the only wild boar that I've ever seen um on the BMT was right near the bald, you know the helicopter landing pad near yeah. Long is it Long Creek Falls which is the AT/BMT Yeah, it is the spot. AT. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, wow. So basically what you're saying is uh, if you want to see wildlife, don't hike the BMT, go rent a cabin in North Georgia. Yeah,
2: pretty much cuz they'll just hang out in your garbage can. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: And they'll drink from your
3: but, they'll drink from your hose cuz the water's
2: gone.
1: Yeah, well, you know. Sure, why not. Yeah. But you said you did see a thru-hiker, but not, not a BMT thru-hiker.
2: No, a Mountains to Sea Trail thru-hiker.
1: Now, that's, that's different. Do you want to tell the audience about that?
2: Yeah. Um, so the Mountains to Sea Trail is, is about 900 miles, um, and it runs from Klingman's Dome down to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Um, but it actually shares, a, like, five miles or so with the Benton Mackay Trail. And this guy, when we walked up upon him, he had just started the Mountains to Sea Trail, and we were coming up a different trail behind him to meet that trail. And he actually thought I was a bear, and he got really excited. And then I came around the corner, and he said, oh, I thought you were a bear. And, like, he wasn't even excited to talk to us. He was just bummed that we weren't a bear. Wow.
1: Yeah. But you need to send him in North Georgia and tell him to get a cabin. Oh, no, right? Exactly. <laughs> he
2: was just, he didn't even, like, want to hang out. We, we we tried to talk to him a little bit, and he just kept saying, man, I really thought I was going to see a bear. <laughs>
1: Wow. Well, so you do you think he's done with this uh, mountains to sea hike yet, or would he he'd still be going? Right.
2: You know, I if he was starting, then he would probably be getting close, um, but wouldn't be finished. But to be honest, we call he was what we call a Hollywood hiker. He had a whole lot of brand new clothes that looked oh. really nice, and a whole Yikes. brand new gear that looked really nice. Yeah, you know but, how you
3: know how Hollywood movies always show hikers wearing flannel and you know things that most hikers don't wear. That's
1: like walk in the woods and wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Patton, yeah. yeah.
2: So I don't I don't really know how far he was going, but hey, if he's still out there, he's pretty close.
1: <laughs> he made it to a cabin in western western North Carolina. Yeah. That's probably about it. And,
3: probably. And he's drinking from a hose. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: And now I think
1: somewhere on here I saw how many miles you averaged a day. You guys averaged uh what? Was, do you remember off your head? What it was?
2: I I honestly don't remember right off the top of our head. Um, I think if we didn't take the zero, I think it was like 17. But I think it was was probably between 15 and 17.
1: You guys have more energy than I do.
2: (laughs) No, we
3: were just thirsty and
2: hungry. We actually said, you know, at the beginning, Noki wasn't in the greatest shape. And it was just like, well, if we don't do the 16 miles today, there's no water. And there's supposed to be water at the campsite, and we can't camp dry. So it was basically us trying to follow the water.
1: But that was average. I mean, do you remember what the most you did in a day was?
2: Um, we did 23 that third day when we got that dinner. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I think that the third day we did 22 or 23 miles, but it was because there was a five-mile road walk and you can't camp on the road. So we had to keep going, but we couldn't camp before the road walk. And there was a restaurant, so obviously you have to go to the restaurant. So.
1: <laughs> that's that's a given. Yeah. yeah,
2: it doesn't matter how tired you are. There's food. So we went, and then we had to continue the road walk. So I think we had to do 22 or 23 that Yeah, when, you, that when day. you
3: start your day thinking about fried chicken, and there's a possibility of fried chicken in the, in the middle of that day, you usually will get there as quick as possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, don't you think about fried chicken every day you're on a through hike?
3: I, pretty much. Fried chicken, pizza, burgers, yeah. That 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 is if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah. So, um, I get. Are you guys ready for the big closing questions? Absolutely. Sure. I, I was going to ask you a bunch of questions about the Finger Lakes Trail and Long Trail, but now I'm thinking we need to do another podcast because <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys would have equally interesting information to share.
2: Well, all I can tell you about the Finger Lakes Trail is that it rained a lot, yeah. so we wouldn't really have anything to share other than the fact that we were soaking wet. I'd
3: be more than, more than happy to uh, do another podcast. We can, if, if you want to wait till afterwards, which won't be too long, we can uh, give you a heck of a lot more information. Yeah. Yeah, i, I got to
1: be honest with you guys. When I was reading your Finger Lake Trail Blogs, mm-hmm. big ups to you because I mean it sounds like you guys are gluttons for punishment, man. Let yeah, me we tell really you.
3: are. We're sick, and, and you know what? We were just about to get to the prettiest part of New York State too, with all the gorges mm-hmm. and the waterfalls, and it just it, it, it that the weather really knocked us for a loop.
1: And and just so- real quick on the Finger's Lake Trail, Noki, if I could. Here, here were the little show notes I wrote down. Sounded miserable. Rained every day. They lost the trail. They got sick. Um, they were. Killed by stinging nettles, and the bridges were washed out. Does that about sum it up?
2: Yeah, and I got a rash of unknown origin that yeah. is still. <laughs> I mean, wow.
1: We, you, you guys aren't you guys aren't really selling the fingers Lakes well, Trail. What,
3: one good news: my feet finally healed on the Finger Lakes Trail. Yeah. So that, that was I think that was a good
2: point. <laughs> yeah, and, um,
1: I
3: mean,
2: and, it, and it
1: sounded like you guys just had some bad luck there. I'm not. I would not like yeah. to add
2: that we also were taken to the wrong trailhead to be dropped off. <laughs> um, no one knew what we were talking about when we told them where we were. We were chased by environmental police for being in an area where you were not allowed to camp for 40 miles. So, oh, yeah. That was
1: that was, so the, that was because it was the New York City watershed? Is that why? Yeah. It's,
2: um, all the adjacent land to the New York City watershed is owned by New York City, and if they catch you camping on it, they will give you a ticket for tampering with the public water supply, which is kind of a big deal.
3: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah they, so I, we have not th- why why they just moved the trail onto this land. We haven't figured out why they did it. <laughs> when you can't camp for 39 miles and they they don't seem to know why they did it either at this point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: just to annoy fingers lake through hikers.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was um yeah. So so it's logistically we're trying to figure out how we're going to go back. Um and and once the trail dries out, it's going to be beautiful because we love the Finger Lakes Trail. We, we really do. The whole reason we wanted to thru-hike it was because we had done sections of it, and we just love it. But, oh, the weather has just killed us.
1: Well, And you guys have some New York connections, right? I don't know where you're from, I'm but from, you were living I'm up there? I'm from
3: Syracuse, New York, which is right, pretty much smack dead in the middle of where the Finger Lakes Trail would be south of there. But, you know, Syracuse is kind of in the middle of the Finger Lakes
1: Gotcha. I thought there was a connection there, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, listeners and supporters of the Fingers Lake Trail, we'll, we'll do another podcast where we, um, after you finish, is that fair?
2: Yeah, Does that work? Good. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And I promise it'll be a ha- much happier because we're going to do it in the fall, and that trail in the fall, which we have done parts of,
2: is gorgeous. Yeah, we promise it'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: which which I got to ask you guys. I mean, I hike in the south all the time. Are you gluttons for punishment hiking the BMT in the summer?
2: You know, I thought that we were doing it early enough into the spring. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Honestly, when we did it, I would not recommend doing it. Um, the people that were a month ahead of us were miserable. The people that were finishing when we were starting had been in all that spring rain, and they hated it. Um, just because of the rain. They, I'm sure they, they look back fondly on their hike. But, but reading trail journals, I which I did, you know, quite frequently, it was just wet and miserable like our Finger Lakes trail hike was. And I thought, well, you know, we're close enough to where we're going to have good water, and it just it just wasn't the case. I would definitely recommend that hike for a fall or winter through hike because winters are just so mild here.
3: Yeah, we had friends that were, what, two weeks behind us on the BMT. Yeah, we they, had
2: friends that were two had, weeks behind they had to us.
3: They some sections Yeah. it was so dry and, and uh, tore up. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, um, I think if I were going to do the BMT, I'd do it in the winter. But I'm not sure that I'm going to have that option anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. So um, you ready for the big closing questions? Absolutely. All right, the big one. Now, this can go across any trail, and you guys are very experienced hikers. you and I'll ask, the, I'll ask the miserable question first, your most miserable day in the backcountry of all your hiking.
3: Oh, you go first.
2: Well, um, we, we've actually been trying to figure this out because yeah. recently we were trying to say, well, this can't be worse than that. Yeah. Um, when we were on the Appalachian Trail, we were just starting the whites, Mount Musilock. Oh, yeah. And it, it we woke up in the middle of the night. We were going to get this big early start to hike Mount Musilock and start the whites the right way. And in the middle of the night, the most epic thunderstorm I have ever encountered rolled through, and it continued to rain all day. So we're climbing up Mount Musalak in the rain. We're not seeing any views. And then it starts to rain harder, and it starts to hail a little. And we have nowhere to go. We have to go down Mount Musalak. And when you go down it, you know, if you're going northbound, you're, it's the steepest descent on the entire AT. And the whole time you're on these wooden steps drilled into rocks next to a waterfall that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's thunderstorming and hailing. And we are going down Mount Musselrock in a hailstorm and a thunderstorm, and it took us two hours to go two miles. And we got to the bottom, and we thought we had died. And we had to we had to hide in the pit toilets because no one was in the parking lot. <laughs> so we're hanging out in the pit toilets, freezing cold, after a hailstorm, and it was it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. I,
3: I pretty much forced two uh, two gentlemen that were also hiking. Horse on the drive us into town from that point. They didn't want to, but but they did. <laughs> it's
1: survival. Hey, I, I can I can definitely um, appreciate hiding in a bathroom. I did that in the Smokies at Newfound Gap one time in a horrible storm. So
2: yeah,
1: and I think at Roan Mountain, if you guys remember the top of Roan Mountain, there's like that little restroom.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Toilets, toilets make great shelters.
2: They do, and this one was incredibly clean for a pit toilet, yeah. so I was impressed. Thanks pit toilet cleaners of Mount the White the White Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> they may smell
1: bad, but there's a time where they come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> so how how about let's let's be positive here because I like to finish on a positive note. How about your most ultimate and and you know, whether you were together or separate, your most ultimate day in the backcountry?
2: Um I think the very last day we were on the AT um, was my absolute favorite day of hiking ever. And not not when we were hiking Katahdin, which most people would say. Um, when we were in the 100-mile wilderness, our very last day. Um, it was just beautiful weather. We camped with a group, great group of people. Um, we stayed at, at Rainbow Lake, and there was a moose, and there was an eagle at the lake, and it was just the penultimate end to a through hike. And I've, I've just never been more at peace and happier than I was when, when we were in the 100-mile wilderness in Maine
1: main rocks yeah. as you said earlier absolutely what about you no key
3: actually mine was the day after and going up and that i i just, i've never had so much excitement or anticipation within me I, I i loved every second of it i i it felt like i went up it so fast and every step was just just the whole the whole at was just that big moment, you know, and I, I just, I just wanted it so bad, and I loved every step going up, up that entire mountain, and making it, yeah. making it to the top, and and running up to that sign and kissing it was, was amazing.
2: It should also <laughs> be noted it was Noki's birthday. That was, oh,
3: that's a big one. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Awesome. Well, good for you. Yeah, that was a great day.
1: So, on the topic of through hiking, which yeah, obviously these moments both happened on your your thru hike. Um, how in the world do you get the time? It, just the final thoughts for listeners on how you get the time. How to satisfy that urge for some wanderlust.
2: Yeah, I actually um, I wrote a great blog post about this on Appalachian Trials to plug myself. Um, <laughs> I, I called it Sacrifices You Make for Backpacking um, because for both of us, um, well, especially for this summer. Let's let's use this summer for an example. Of these four hikes that we're doing for two straight years, we worked sixty hours a week. Um, we hardly saw each other. We actually were working opposite shifts. Um, we left the house at 3:30 in the morning and I didn't come home till five o'clock at night. Um, for two years, I did this so I could save up every dime I made to spend time doing what I love. Um, so, so for people that, for people like us that don't have any kids, um, it's just a lot of freaking hard work. Um, <laughs> you know we we don't have a lot of money and we work we work kind of crappy jobs just so we can we can leave these jobs and go do what we want to do but um you know for us it was just a lot of hard work um but but we're huge fans of of this new micro adventure movement um where where you can have an adventure anytime maybe it's not going to be a through hike but maybe you're going to go camp with your kids for the weekend you know um you know if if you don't have the time or the energy or the resources to do to do what we're doing you can always have an adventure in your own backyard if you really want it so you know that's that's kind of our thoughts on it
1: yeah and i guess if you do have kids you can always be like buddy backpacker and yeah. take them with you
2: yeah that kid's cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's all and he's a, is he a um a backcountry ninjas ninjas uh, he is.
2: yeah yeah he's yeah. Got a little hat he's cute
1: I'm I'm going to give them a plug at the start of this podcast. Yeah. Do you, hey, do you guys have any? Just a final uh, one more time where where you can be followed on your adventures on the trails? Because yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're not done yet. The summer is. Uh, we're only halfway through. Yeah, you
2: know? we're only halfway through, and and I think in the, in the coming years there's going to be a lot more from us. But you can you can follow my blogs, um, which are updated uh, when we're hiking. There's actually a day by day synopsis. You can find those on SprinklesHikes.com. And you can also follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram um, at Sprinkles Hikes.
1: Are, are you telling me you're going to be a regular guest on this show? Is that what I'm hearing? Sounds
2: like fun to me. I'm I'm down for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey,
1: uh, Sprinkles Noki, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show tonight, and um, uh, I, I hopefully we'll have a chance to bump into you somewhere in the trail.
2: I'm sure the trail community is as small and as giant as it is. Um, I, I find that. You always see people. You always run into people.
1: It is a tight community, isn't it? That's right. Well, guys, thanks again, and uh, have a great summer. It sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things left.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot. We really enjoyed doing this. Yeah, thanks so much.
1: Thanks for listening to the N2
0: Backpacking Podcast. This is Bird Shooter wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this podcast, visit Apple's iTunes store or download them directly at m2backpacking.com from the podcast tab on the secondary menu. Music from this podcast was provided by the John Zedd Band. For more information on this Atlanta-based musician, visit his website at JohnZed.com. That's John com, Or search for his latest release through iTunes. This podcast is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2 Backpacking. That's the letter N, the number 2, backpacking.com.